The following sermon was taken from our Sunday gathering. If you'd like to find out more, or if we can help you on your journey in faith, head to our website, www.southsidepc.org, or visit us any Sunday morning at 9am. But I want to spend some time now reading, uh, or to pray to our great God. We've been uh, spending the last few weeks thinking about the stories around Christmas, the people who are around who saw baby Jesus, so shepherds, wise men, Simeon and Anna. And I'm just going to lead us in prayer now, because there's lots of things that we learned from those people. And I'm going to pray that God might help us to have hearts like them. So I invite you to now, please join with me in prayer. Dear Father God, we thank you for the season of Christmas. We thank you for the moment we can share and remember the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, a child born, but Lord of all. And Lord, we, we ask that you would give us hearts that search for you like the wise men, knowing that Jesus is the one true Lord and King. And as, he, as they searched and found Jesus and worshipped him, help us to find you when we're far off. Lord, help us to see you and worship you as you deserve. Lord, help us to respond to Jesus like the shepherds. That when the angels appeared with the message that God's Messiah had come, after they saw Jesus, they also became messengers, telling others what they had seen. That God had truly come into our world. That Jesus has truly come into our lives. Lord, help us to find peace like Simeon at the temple. That when he saw Jesus the one who is going to bring peace to God's people. He was instantly filled with joy, so much so that he said, that God, to, said to God that his life was now complete. Lord, help us to know that kind of joy and peace like Simeon. And Lord, give us the wisdom like Anna, that even though she was an old lady, she spent her life praying and fasting and drawing near to you, that after seeing Jesus, she knew her faith and devotion was not in vain. That as you promised, you would come in to our lives. That you would comfort us. Lord, help us to have the faith and devotion like Anna, knowing that following you is not in vain, but worth out devoting our lives to. So Lord, in the excitement and busyness of Christmas, we take this opportunity to commit ourselves to, to you as our Lord and Saviour that we need you in our lives because we can't do it. Bless us through Jesus, we pray, who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. In Jesus' name, amen. Our Bible reading this morning is from Matthew chapter 1, picking it up from verse 18, and it'll be on the screen behind me. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She'll give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save people from their sins. 
All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Thanks, Ross. Good morning, everyone. My name is Ben. If we haven't met before, uh, I just want to say two things. So firstly, Kresh is open now. So we're not going to have a break to go out to Kresh. So if you want to go out and do that, you're welcome to do that. The second thing I want to say is I love Christmas and I hate Christmas cake. And I'll be hanging around for morning tea. So uh, you two can do that if you hate Christmas cake. All right, let's pray and then we'll hook into this. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the joy that we have this morning together. Um, We pray for the next few moments, Lord, that you would help us to lift our eyes. Lord, to lift our eyes beyond the things that are happening today, whether it is the joy of the morning, whether it is the joy of presence and, and family, or whether it's the stress of today or the mess of today. Father, we pray that you would help us to lift our eyes to the reality that, God, you came into our world. We pray that you'd help us see this and understand this and see the beauty and the power of Christmas. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So I've often wondered, what would God do if he rocked up today? And it's often a question that comes when uh, I see shocking things in this world. So, you know, after a year like the one that we've had, or whenever you see uh, things that our world leaders do, or whenever there's kind of shocking inventions that make you wonder, where are we going next as a society? Those shocking things make me question, if God rocked up, what would he do? Which means in the last few weeks, I'm, I've been asking this question because of a, a quite shocking invention uh, that's been released to us all, which if you've seen it, it's got to do with artificial intelligence. It's the website OpenAI or ChatGPT. If you don't know what I'm talking about this morning, it's basically Siri on steroids, okay? And it's, it's scary. It's a little bit frightening. So to give you some examples of what this thing can do, uh, I'm not musical, but I asked it to write me a song. And in seconds, it gave me lyrics to a song and then music to that song. That is kind of a little bit scary. I also asked it to uh, write me some code. Now, I don't know what code means or is. I know it kind of lies behind stuff we use on our phones and, and the internet, but I don't get it. And yet here it is on this app. I made some code using Python. Now, if you don't know what that means, I don't either. But here I am, right, with code to do something. But the scariest of the lot, so last week uh, I tested positive for COVID. Uh, I'm all good now. I've tested negative. But I knew that I was preaching today. And so I was a little bit worried about what was going to happen on Christmas Day. And so I asked this app to write me a 2,000-word Christmas sermon, which it did in seconds. And you don't need to worry, I'm only using a little bit of what it gave me on this app. But it is shocking, it is a little bit scary, and it's one of those things where you add that into the world that we live in, artificial intelligence, into the world that we live in, into everything that's happened, and it makes you kind of wonder, if God rocked up, what would He do? If God was here today, what would God do? And what would that kind of look like for us? What would that mean for us if God showed up today and saw everything that was happening? Well, today what we're going to do for a few moments is we're going to look back at history and see where God came down. We're going to look at this at two moments in history where God did this. And so we're going to begin before Christmas. So I know it's Christmas, we'll get there. But where we're going to start today is actually in Genesis 11. So if you've got your Bibles there today, or it'll be on the screen behind me, we're going to see this moment where God came down in a city called Babylon. 
Now, this is how it begins. It says this in Genesis 11, verse 1. Now, the whole world had one language and a common speech. As people moved eastward, they found a plain in Shinar and settled there. They said to each other, come, let's make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They used bricks instead of stone and tar for mortar. Then they said, come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens so that we may make a name for ourselves. Otherwise, we'll be scattered over the face of the whole earth. So what would God do if he rocked up? What would God do if he came down? Well, we're going to see this as we look first and foremost at this moment in history when God came down in this city called Babylon. Now, we, we learn some things about Babylon first and foremost in these verses. The first thing is that they're located in the east. Now, that might not sound significant to you, but in the Bible, and particularly in Genesis, east is bad. In fact, if you ever read that a city is located in the east, alarm bells should be going off, that this is a place that is far from God and away from the presence of God. So, for example, in Genesis 3, when they're kicked out of the Garden of Eden, the cherubim are located in the east. When Cain kills his brother Abel, he leaves towards the east. In chapter 15, we'll see in a moment, or we won't see in a moment, but you can look in your Bible, Sodom is based in the east. So, east is a sign that this place hasn't got it all together. Alarm bells should be going off that Babylon is located in the east. East is bad. Now, we kind of get this today in Brisbane. Uh, geographically, we understand that certain locations are bad, right? We do. So, for example, if you say you're from north of the river, alarm bells go off, right? No, I'm only half joking with that. But we understand this. Well, in, in the Bible, in Genesis, east is bad. So, here we go. We've got this city that's giving us this warning, it's going to be bad. And, that, and that's kind of what we see. So they build a tower to make a name for themselves. Now, this doesn't sound that big a deal, but it is. Because essentially, to make a name for themselves, what they're saying is we want to live for ourselves and not for God. And, and throughout the Bible, this is kind of what the word sin means. It's when you don't want to live for God, you just want to build your own kingdom. You just want to do your own thing. So Babylon here want to make a name for themselves. They don't want to live for God. They want to do their own thing. This is what sin is. It's, it's when we don't want to follow God. We just want to live our own way. And so even though you've got this city building a, a tower to make a name for themselves, the reality is right throughout the Bible and right throughout history, this is what people do too. And people want to live their own way, not God's way. They're building a version of Babylon. They're building a version where they, they want to live for their own name instead of the name of God. And so here's this city located in the east trying to build a name for themselves, not for God, but for themselves. Now the question is, what's, gonna, what's God going to do? When God rocks up to Babylon, what's he going to do? Well, let's, let's have a look. Because when he rocks up, we see that God rocks up in judgment. Now, what you want to do is you want to look out for things that are repeated, because that's important. So verse 5, we pick this up. But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower the people were building. The Lord said, if as one people speaking the same language, they have begun to do this, then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. Come, let us go down and confuse their language so that they will not understand each other. So the Lord scattered them from there over all the earth, and they stopped building the city. That is why it's called Babel or Babylon, because there the Lord confused the language of the whole world. From there the Lord scattered them over the face of the whole earth. So God comes down to a city located in the east, building a name for themselves. And I love the way it reads as it begins there, God came down to see what was happening. Now, that's kind of interesting because God can see everything, you know, the, the living God, nothing's hidden from his sight, and yet he comes down to have a look. 
I love that language because it it's kind of reminds us of what a parent does with a kid. So, you know, in our house, uh, we have a, a little daughter, two-year-old Poppy. She's getting into Play-Doh lately. And uh, she is uh, not yet an artist or a sculptor, but she, she's getting there. And uh, there's moments where she grabs blobs of Play-Doh and she makes them blobs of Play-Doh, and then she holds them up to me to have a look. It's like this blob is impressive. It's significant to Poppy. And so what do I do? Well, I, I get down to her level. I have a look at the blob of Play-Doh, and of course, I'm like, wow, that's amazing. And to me, it is amazing, and to her, it's amazing, but objectively speaking here, if you saw that blob of Play-Doh, it's just a blob of Play-Doh. Right? To kids, sometimes kids think something significant, but in reality, it's not that significant. Now, I love how this reads, because in Babylon, they're building this tower, and they think it's significant. They think it's great, but God comes down to have a look, and it's almost like he gets down on one knee and looks at it closely, and, and, and he has a look, and, and it's just it's interesting, because to Babylon, it's significant, but to God, it's small. You know, you think about that in the world that we live in, right? How many kingdoms and kings think they're something? You know, you think of the world right now, Putin or Trump or whoever it is, think they're something. Well, to God, they're small. To God, Babylon, they're building this great tower thinking they're something, but to God, it's small, it's insignificant. But you see, unlike a parent getting down to have a look at what the kids made, when God comes down to have a look, he sees a city building a name for themselves. They want to be God. They don't want to listen to God. They want to do their own thing. So what does God do when he comes down? Well, he... He judges them. That's what happens here. The just judge of the world comes down in judgment. And we saw it there twice. It's read. It's, it, they're scattered, right? So here you have God coming down in judgment, and he scatters them. He confuses them. He, he disrupts them, and he comes down in judgment. So when we're thinking about what would God do if he rocked up today, we've got to hold this in, in, in our kind of heads that at some point in history, God came down in judgment. Now, I, I know it's Christmas, Right? It's meant to be a time of joy and peace and hope. So how are we going to get from there to joy? How are we going to get to this story of Babylon where God comes down in judgment to joy, especially if you know how the story unfolds? You see, for the rest of the Old Testament, this cycle just continues. People continue to try and make a name for themselves. People continue rejecting God and building up their own cities. And judgment keeps happening. So there's this cycle that just keeps rinsing and repeating over and over again. And things don't get worse. It only looks like it gets, uh, things don't get better. It only looks like it gets worse. And so, so much so that if we were to read the Old Testament, you get to Matthew chapter 1 and you think, okay, so what's God going to do when he rocks up now? And, and if you understand the weight of the story, you would think, well, God's going to end it all. That's what you should expect when you just see this cycle of people rejecting God, wanting to build a name for themselves. But of course, this is what makes Matthew chapter 1 so powerful and so beautiful. Because instead of judgment, we see God coming down and doing something different. So let's have a look at what God does in Matthew chapter 1. And notice how different it is from Genesis 11. So, so we read how this is the birth in verse 18. We read this is the birth of Jesus the Messiah. Um, we read how Joseph found out that she was pregnant from the Holy Spirit. Uh, he was considering leaving her, but the angel warned him. But then look at verse 21. Here's what we want to zone into. It says this. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. 
All this took, took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. So what happens when God comes down in Matthew chapter 1? Well, it's different, isn't it, to Genesis 11. I mean, God with us. Already that's different. It's not a parent on a knee looking at their kid's stuff. No, now God is with us. He becomes one of us. Jesus is close. But he's with us. And then we read there, you're going to call him Jesus because he's going to save his people from their sins. So God is coming down, not in judgment, but in salvation to save his people. You know, it's a, the famous verse in John 3, 16, For God so loved the world, He gave His only Son, that whoever believes in Him will not die, but have eternal life. Well, the very next verse, John 3, 17, says, Jesus has not come to condemn the world, but to save the world. The hope of Christmas is that when Jesus rocked up, it wasn't in judgment, it was to save them. And it says that He will save His people from their sins. Now, do you see the power and the beauty of that? He still sees their sin, right? Like, He still sees it. He still sees the reality that people have built a name for themselves, that people have lived in their version of Babylon, that people have rejected God and continue to live their own way. God sees that. There's nothing God doesn't see. And yet when Jesus rocks up, when God rocks up in our world, he's come to save them from their sins. This is the beauty of Christmas. Now, now we know he's going to do this through his life, death, and resurrection. But Christmas is the story that we celebrate that when God came down and saw people's sin, He didn't come in judgment, but to save them. Now, as we're here this morning and thinking about the, the joy of Christmas, the beauty of this truth is that this is truly for everyone. You know, the, the hope of Christmas, that He will save them from their sins, this is for everyone, and it doesn't matter, regardless of your past, regardless of where you're from, regardless of whether you've been living your life in a version of Babylon, or regardless, actually, if you're genuinely from Babylon. Now, what does that mean? Well, well, let's have a look, because this is quite interesting when we get to the wise men in Matthew chapter 2. You see, in Matthew chapter 2, God wants us to know that this is for everyone. And as we get to the wise men in chapter 2, you know, we, we've been thinking about this in this Christmas series. If you've been with us for a few weeks, we uh, did this a few weeks ago, and then on the carols we talked about this. But let's have a look at verse 1 and 2 of chapter 2 now in light of what we looked at in Babylon. Okay, so let's read this again. Chapter 2, verse 1, it says this. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, magi, or wise men, from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who is born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. So really obvious question here. Where are the magi from? They're from the east. Right? That's significant throughout the story of the Bible. They're from the east. Now, you might say, well, it's just a coincidence that they're from the east. You know, maybe that's just where they were from. Now, it, it, it could be a coincidence, but if this morning we had, you know, read through from Genesis right to the point that we're up to today, we would ask the question, where have we seen the Magi before? Where have we seen the wise men? And, and you'd think back to this moment in the book of Daniel. Now, we're not going to look at it today, but in Daniel, there's this moment where the king has some dreams and he asks wise men to interpret the dream. Now, they can't do it. Daniel does it. It's a whole other story. But you'd notice the wise men in the book of Daniel. Then you get to this moment here and you see the wise men again from the east and you think, where were the wise men in Daniel from? Babylon. Right? They were actually from Babylon. So here we've got in Matthew chapter 1 this moment where wise men from the east 
from Babylon are coming to worship Jesus. Now, what's going on here? What's the significance of this? Well, I hope you can see it. It's that in Jesus, everything is being undone. The curse of sin, the judgment, it's being undone. Instead of judgment, Jesus is bringing salvation. Instead of scattering, Jesus is uniting. Instead of pushing people away, Jesus is bringing people into himself. And, And what we see is it's all tribes, all people, all nations, wherever you're from, regardless of your background, whether you're from actual Babylon or your version of Babylon, what we're told in Matthew is that when people come to Jesus, they can be saved from their sins. It's a, it's a beautiful story of hope. This is why we celebrate and enjoy Christmas, because it's all about the story how God came down not to judge the world, but to save. So here it is, two, two moments in history. In Babylon, God came down in judgment to scatter. In Jesus, God came down to save and unite, which still leaves us the question today. Well, what if he rocked up today? Right, today's a little bit different to ancient Babylon or ancient Rome. What if God rocked up today? You know, they didn't have artificial intelligence back then. We've got that today. So what if God rocked up today? Because things do kind of feel like they're getting a little bit worse. I mean, whether they are or not, it does feel like that. The last few years have been pretty hard. So what would God do now if he rocked up? Well, the, the Bible tells us this too. And the Bible tells us that the next time God rocks up, it's not going to be either judgment or salvation, it's going to be both. It's going to be judgment and salvation. But our experience of that depends whose name we trust in. You see, for those of us who live in our version of Babylon, where we are building a name for ourselves, where we reject God and reject His ways, we're told when God rocks up next, it it will be judgment. We will have to face the punishment for what we've done. But it doesn't have to be that way. No, Christmas is all about how it doesn't have to be that way. For those of us who live in Babylon, there'll be judgment. But for those of us who trust in the name of Jesus, who leave Babylon and come to trust in the name of Jesus, well, there will be salvation. There'll be hope. There'll be life. There'll be everything good. You see, the joy of Christmas is that God has come down to save. So we ask this question, what would God do if he rocked up today? Well, we actually know the answer. It's, it's both. It's judgment and salvation. What's your experience of that going to be? Well, it, it depends on whose name you trust in. Your own or Jesus? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the hope that we can have in Jesus. We pray this morning, Lord, that you would help us to remember this and to enjoy this and to find our deepest hope in the fact that Jesus has come into the world, that God came down, not to judge, not to condemn, but to save. God, we've got to put our trust in your name. And we pray for help in this journey. In Jesus' name, amen.